At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check us out on Twitter. We're on, we're at, my name, we're on, we're on the, we're on the web. <laughs> check us out on Twitter. I'm at Libcon Matt. My Tim is at Libcon Tim. You can check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store. We're in the Google Play store. We're on Twitter. We're at Stitcher, Twitter. Jesus man is it late or something it is I, I, my I, bad I, my bad is, everybody good lord you know what i'm off everything's off and it's wrong and we should start over and do that again but it's already freaking it's late and I, you know brain's already having trouble so i'm just not going to get myself into that mess again we got wyoming i just want to point that out before we do anything else we, got wyoming. we have downloads in all 50 states from the last year since we started doing this and and that's it we're done i just don't even think we need to continue anymore so thank you wyoming whoever that person is in wyoming that downloaded us we now have filled this little map on the statistics thing that that podbean has and it's very cool and and i i feel like we accomplished something so thank you wyoming you rule uh we uh tonight we're going to talk about the the, the republicans unveiled their thing their health care thing they're Woo! better the bestest the awesomest they have a, they have a, they have their finally after eight years of hard and thorough nah whatever just bitching and then finally chucking something together uh wow but they, uh, damn yeah all we're right gonna, you know okay well you know yeah we're, we're gonna talk about it they have a healthcare thing we're gonna talk about some of these these deportation squad things uh and then this idea of existential threats this is a phrase i don't know that i actually even knew until about a year or two ago and now it gets chucked around all over the place so we're going to talk about it round of applause and something cool before we get going how are you friend I'm good. I'm excited. GM. I love policies, so I'm just kind of nerding <laughs> out on my iPhone, looking over everything, and um, yeah, seeing, trying to figure out what it all means and what's going to happen. Yes, yes, yes. There, there's, you know, there's been a lot of policy things going on this week, though, so you know, which which is weird, you know, because uh, yeah, we're in the we're in the Trump era where I didn't actually think we had like numbers anymore, <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to start off with the healthcare thing. So the Republicans finally unveiled their 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 long gestating, long awaited healthcare stuff, and lots of people had lots of things to talk about about it. I, I you know, it's it, I I think a lot of a lot of the information about the specifics of it are out there. You know, some of the broader strokes it does keep the. Uh, it keeps uh, the ability to stay on your folks' insurance until you're 26. It keeps uh, the pre-existing condition coverage law, both of which are good. It maintains the Medicaid expansion, kind of, right up until about 2020. But I think that that's kind of a bullshit maneuver because it's probably they're probably just hoping it's going to go away. Uh, and then Trump today said, well, you know, maybe we won't keep it until 2020. I don't know, you know, because it's, you know, because this is Trump and we do stuff kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe we won't. Well, maybe we'll do it today. We won't do it tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think those are some of the big hits. It replaces the Obamacare subsidies with uh, uh, with uh, with with tax credits. 
that are spread out based more on age rather than income. So it really doesn't matter how much you make it at, at, at certain more at, at certain ages you'll get you'll get tax credits, not subsidies, which is there a difference? I don't know. Somebody's gonna have to explain that one to me. The uh, you know those are some of the broad strokes. What this is actually gonna do, who the hell knows? What I do know is that the American Medical Association, the AMA, has come out against it. Uh, the largest hospital lobbying group, lobbying group, the hospital, it's this hospital's group that's organized something. They don't like it. The CBO hasn't said anything in the Trump administration in-house Republicans because, you know, they don't believe in institutions anymore. If those institutions don't agree with them, have basically come out and said that, you know, it doesn't matter what the Congressional Budget Office says, you know, even though they like the leader and praised him a couple of years ago, they think their bill is great and they're just going to push it through anyway. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know what I, I there's a big part of me that almost doesn't care anymore. But what 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 do you what do you think? I on, on first looking through, it seems reasonable. Um, uh, there's going to be aspects that we're just going to have to see how they how they go a little bit. Uh, I, I guess the biggest thing for me, so the, the biggest thing for me that I hear a lot of people complaining about is this idea that by switching over to tax credits based on age instead of based on income, that this is going to be hurting working class families. And I would argue the opposite. I would argue that this is a boon to working class families because I remember when for a moment there between uh, right before we got, we, we, our income dropped so low when I switched over to missionary work, we were about to lose all of the tax subsidies and our health insurance was about to skyrocket to like five over five hundred dollars a month, and we're, we weren't rich. I mean, this was a family of three making fifty thousand a year, and we weren't going to qualify for tax credits. So, because I was working just a little bit more and making a little bit more money, all of that stuff, all of that, all that those tax credits were disappearing, and this prevents that. This says no. We're going to help working class families. We're going to allow them to keep their tax credits, which I think is a great thing. Now, I get the argument that some people are making out there that these tax credits aren't going to be enough. And that's why I mean when I say, well, this it sort of remains to be seen because they're right. Under Obamacare, in which the cost of health insurance has skyrocketed, right? The premiums have, have gone up astronomically. They're right. These tax credits aren't enough to cover, right? But because of the changes that are being made, it is reasonable, reasonable to believe that premiums are going to go back down, in which case these tax credits should be sufficient. And it's also misleading to say that these are not income-based at all. They are income-based. I mean, you're not, uh, I think the limit now is for our, a family plan, is for a family is uh, a married couple's income is $150,000. So once you hit that $150,000 mark, it starts to decrease. Uh, I think it's like 10% or something like this for every $1,000 you make or something. 
Um, so there is an income aspect. We're not giving Bill Gates a tax credit to buy us health care. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a fair point. I, I I think okay. So the first question I have: Tell me what the hell the difference between what why why is the fact that they're giving tax credits and not subsidies a big deal? What's the difference between a subsidy and a tax credit? Honestly, I, I honestly don't know. What from my understanding, the tax credit that they're offering is the same as the tax credit that was offered by Obamacare. It's you get it in advance. It's an advanceable tax credit. That's the important thing. So, what subsidies are you are you talking about? Well, I mean that was that that was one point that I saw made in in several different places. Now, granted, one of those was from Kellyanne, who has no credibility on anything, but was like, no, 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 no. We're giving tax credits. We're not giving subsidies. I want somebody to explain to me the difference. I don't know that there is a difference. You get them back on your taxes. And it's money. No, it's well, based on well that's the thing. You're not going to get them. Yeah, I think you're going to have to ask Kellyanne to explain that one right along with the Bowling Green massacre. Because the, I, I, the 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 big the big important thing is is that these are advanceable tax credits, the same way that Obamacare was. Because there's tax deductions, right, which would only be helpful to rich people. There are tax credits, which would be helpful to everybody, but you only get them at the end of the year, right, when you file your taxes, which isn't not much of a help when you're trying to make your monthly payments. And then there's advanceable tax credits, in which case you're getting them month to month, right? So that's what they're doing from my, from my understanding of all of this. So Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I don't... Okay, first of all, I, I do want to point out that, that I do understand the difference between this idea of it being age-based versus income-based. I think they're talking about is it income because like one, one combination that I read was that under this new plan, if you are 25 or 26 or something and making minimum wage or uh, your some whatever you know, I don't know about minimum wage but like 24 25,000 a year uh, you're going to which is not minimum wage it's way higher but uh, your subsidy will go down to like 3,000 or something but if you're 40 and you went up to like up to like 70 and you make 75,000, then your subsidy would actually go up to being more than the 25 year old who makes far less than you do, which I, I don't know that that's, I, 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 I can, I know where they got that number and I saw it in the plan, but I mean, I don't know that that's a, I don't know that that's fair. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I like that, but then at the same time, there is also this assumption by a lot of liberals and a lot of Democrats that just because you don't make minimum wage, because you're 35 and you're making $50,000, $60,000 a year, that you're just fine. And that there should be no problems at all. And you shouldn't receive anything. And that's not necessarily the case, as is evidenced by you guys. Because a... Fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year income for a family of four is not a lot. So there has to be some sort of balancing act, and I don't think we've found it yet. And that's 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 my larger problem with this plan is that 
for years. I've been listening to the Republicans talk about how, oh, we have this so we have so many better ideas. It's just, just stupid liberal stuff coming out with the 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 ACA and Obamacare and blah, and this is the worst bill on the planet. This is terrible. This there was actually all these people. There was one guy who actually said this is the worst bill ever. And, uh, you know, yada, 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 yada. And then this is what they came up with, which is not that much different than what the liberals came up with. And it doesn't really take any large steps. A lot of the stuff that they were talking about throughout, because they're scared of a filibuster. And Ryan went very far to blame arcane Senate rules on why he can't do all the stuff that he wants to. Wah, wah. Uh, because they've got to use all this reconciliation stuff. Everything that they do has to do directly where they're, they're insisting that the only way that they can do everything they want to do, even though they have the house, the Senate and the white house, the only way they can do everything they want to do is to do it through these reconciliation rules. And in order to use the reconciliation rules, it has to do directly with the budget. So if it doesn't directly deal with the budget, then they can't deal with it. Then they can, then they can't do it. And that's why they can't do the state line thing. That's why they can't go out of their way to do the, you know, to change the, this idea of allowing people to have sort of really skimpy medical care plans if they want to, uh, which are these massive that they say is driving up the cost of everything. And I, I don't see that. I think this redistributes the money that goes out through what was the ACA and is now the ACHA way to go guys. Uh, it redistributes the money in different ways, but it doesn't fundamentally change the face of anything. It's still basically the same ideas. Well, it gets rid of the entire marketplace thing, correct? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, like, it does health, get rid of healthcare.gov goes get, away. It does get rid of the marketplaces. Yeah, that much it does. Do. So, I mean, that's pretty fundamental. Well, but the <coughs> excuse me, the basic idea of the plan effectively stays intact. <coughs> Which is that now you have you you now have the government providing subsidies for you to buy your health care. That's the basic plan, the basic idea. The government is now sort of subsidizing health care for everybody. If you buy it through if you don't get your health care through your employer and have to purchase your plan, you get money back from the government to cover the cost of that health care. And that healthcare has to have certain requirements in order to meet a standard of care, right? I mean, isn't isn't that isn't I mean, that basically I mean, the idea yeah, behind? But that's the, so broad that I mean, I I don't know. Like I I, I think we're going. I think we're we're stretching things here to say that they're not fundamentally changing things. They're they're making some pretty big changes just in this. They're getting rid of the marketplaces. They're getting rid of the income base, the the primary aspect of the income based stuff. Uh the income based aspect of the tax credits. They're getting they're just rid re- all they're, they're doing getting is redistributing rid of the, the money. Ma- That's they're it. getting rid of the mandate. I mean these are some pretty they fundamental changes. Yeah. This is I, huge. I, I don't think so. I do not think so. I don't uh, think it's that I mean, big a deal. I don't think it's that big a change. Well, I think it's redistributing the wealth. Honestly, what does that mean? How are they redistributing the wealth? What does that mean? The go- they're that. redistributing how they're they're fundamentally changing how the money that the government distributes out to people for health care, how that money is distributed. They're changing that. Okay, but how- that's really all. 
That's the that's the biggest thing. I mean, seriously, argue with that statement. I the am arguing with that statement. Of, I'm highlighting the fact that they're the, getting rid of the marketplaces. They're getting rid of the individual mandates. They're All the marketplace was the health was a insurance. They're incre- All the marketplace was was a website. It was it was just a place to go buy. It was just a place to go buy healthcare. Healthcare.gov was no different than Aetna.com. And you couldn't. But if you didn't buy, yes, it was. It was hugely different because if you didn't buy it from the marketplace, then you couldn't get the tax credits. So it was enormously different. They're changing. Right. Okay. So they're changing how they, that now you can get the money there. Now you can get the money by going through Aetna.com. Right. By going anywhere you want, which is part of the idea of increasing patient choice in the matter. The basic idea behind the Liberal Health Care Act was the American, the Affordable Care Act. The basic idea behind it was that the government will subsidize your health care. Right. And great. And that was our idea as well. Look at the Patient Choice Act that, that Ryan put out in 2009. It was the same idea. Yes. We all agree that this is the way it needs to be done. We all Do agree. We? Did we all agree on it? That's not what I've been hearing for the last eight years. What I've been I, hearing for the last eight years is that the the basics of that everything from Obamacare, root and branch, remove it. Everything about it is awful. When apparently not everything about it was awful. An awful lot about it was pretty good. I mean, all I I can do is point to the plans that the Republicans put in place, had in play around the same time as Obamacare, and they all included the same tax credit ideas. So, I mean, did random senators say crap about root and branch and everything's bad and everything's horrible? Were they guilty of hyperbole? I'm sure that they were. But all I can do is point at what the ideas that we had at the same time as they were looking at Obamacare. And yes, they all focused around the same idea that we have to provide tax credits for all people. That was all there. I just and how exactly this goes down. It differs from between the parties. It, 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 the devil's in the details I'll give you, but I, I just don't see this as the way that they've been talking for years was that they wanted to do some kind of fundamental change about how healthcare gets done. And this isn't it. And there are other things that could be done that could be included in right, places what? in this if they weren't so scared. What? Dropping, what would be this, a dropping state change? lines. Drop oh, state lines. Oh, but then they're still doing it based on tax credits for the, the government subsidizing health care. So that's not really a fundamental change. It doesn't what, uh, change what? that much. Those are th- these are th- It does. It would change how we purchase health care. They've already changed how we purchase healthcare, and that will change it more. And that is something that they are wanting to do, but they simply can't do it right this moment. Why? Because they don't control enough branches of government. No, because our Senate has become ridiculous. We've talked about this because by for somehow the filibuster has ceased to be this nuclear option and has become a standard method of doing things so that now in order to get anything past the Senate, you have to have at least 60, at least 60 votes. So in order to get the ball rolling, to get things in play, to stop the bleeding from Obamacare, meaning the skyrocketing premiums, they're doing what they can right now through the budget reconciliation process. And then they have even more fundamental radical changes in line 
that will get debated individually and hopefully be able to get past the 60-person threshold. Well, I mean... If they put everything together, it simply wouldn't get passed. I mean, this is just pragmatism. What's wrong with being pragmatic? There's nothing wrong with being pragmatic, but I guess I just... Look, I'm just not that impressed, man. I mean, what do you want me to say? I don't look at the thing and go, wow, this is this great big change to how we're doing it. It looks to me like it's very similar to what we've been doing okay, well, with a few then, tweaks. And I, I just, I'm not, again, I get tired of the hype machine running around talking about how, Oh, we made this big change and everything. And look at this great stuff that we're doing. It's amazing. It's the bestest health. It's the greatest healthcare bill ever now. And I mean, it, you didn't, change that much i'm sorry it just doesn't feel like they changed a whole lot it's it, it, it just doesn't and and the things that they did change i'm not convinced that they're going to work and there's all of these groups that are coming out and saying actually no this is not that great all people right. like the ama and the health care unions and and, okay. and then trying to just shove it through without waiting until uh the cbo scores it when do you do that since when does that happen all right, what is when the When did we just start issue? ignoring the CBO? What is the ABA, AMA's issue? Well, we agree that there are problems with the ACA that must be addressed. We cannot support the AHCA as drafted because of the expected decline in health insurance coverage and the pot- potential harm it would cause to vulnerable patient populations from the CEO and vice president of the AMA. So Medicaid, <clears throat> that's their concern over the Medicaid issue. I guess. I mean, that's 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 his that's his quote. Okay. Nothing they changes. Su- they didn't support it. They backed out. So nothing, but nothing changes in Medicaid for at least two. I think it's two years. Nothing changes. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So. But something will change. Something will change. It'll be switched over to a block grant system. I I mean I I'm sorry that the AMA dislikes the fact that we're not going to be able to give free health care to this the large portion of the population. But I mean that that's been that's been one of the issues with Obamacare is that we talk about the fact that now look everyone has look at the increases in coverage. Look at the increase thanks to universal health care. Most of that most of that has come from Medicaid. From the increase in the Medicaid, right? That's where the majority of this sudden universal coverage has come from. Correct? Uh, from what I hear, yeah. Okay. And the issue at stake there is that the way that this is set up is not sustainable. We cannot afford to continue paying for this. States cannot afford to continue paying for this. And so we have to make adjustments in how this is done. They've done it in such a way that no one's going to get the rug pulled out from under them all of a sudden. Nothing's going to disappear out of the blue. And it gives the states three years to figure out the best way for them to do health insurance for the at, these at-risk populations. Well, assuming that they'll find a way to do it, and I hope they do, I you forgive me if I'm a little skeptical about it. I mean, you know, look, man, I'm not. I, I, I I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm sorry. I don't like the bill. Okay, I don't like the damn bill, and I'm not alone. I don't mind that you don't Again. like the bill. I just I disagree with the. the what you're saying, this idea that we're not really changing much, it's making a big change. And that's why people, that's why a lot of people don't like it, you know, because it is making some fairly fundamental changes. 
but they, I, I don't know that they, they don't feel that fundamental to me. They feel like tweaks and they feel like tweaks in the wrong direction. And then to a certain extent with the Medicaid thing, it feels like they're just kicking the can down the road. And, you know, we'll, we'll try to wait to solve the problem. And to pile on top of that, the the AMA and the AHA coming against it, the CB trying to push it through without anything to without waiting for the CBO and then coming out and saying, well, we don't really care what the CBO says anyway. The CBO is just mean and we don't like them. And then and then again, all of the attitude, I, it, it all irritates the hell out of me when it comes down to it, quite frankly. And then we had that lovely quote from Jason Chafes My Balls about the uh, the the iPhone thing, which was just like the best let them eat cake moment I've heard out of any politician since, you know, the French revolution. Uh, it, uh, you know, all of this combined just strikes me as, as hubris and I'm tired of it. All right. So, so one, the Jafet's comment, you're absolutely right. Ridiculous and dumb. Can't believe the kind of crap that comes out of, out of people's mouths sometimes. Absolutely. Now on both sides of the party lines, Yes, but Chaffetz, that was a horribly stupid comment. Couldn't believe it. Um, then I'll talk, I've seen some other footage. I think it was on John Oliver. I saw the footage of a, a Republican person ho- holding a, a town hall. And at one point, he started shouting, children, children, in the most con... Oh, my gosh. Absolutely, right? Hubris of an unbelievable measure. The fact that the AMA... Is, is against it, right? That they've come out against it. The reason that they've given for coming out against it, oh, I, uh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get behind you on that reason, especially because one of the primary issues with health insurance right now is the simple fact of how much healthcare costs, right? So I haven't seen the AMA fighting against the, the way that uh, health care is run right now. You know, I haven't seen them fighting to try to lower the cost of healthcare. I haven't seen them fighting for transparency in the way that they bill their patients. So I, eh, eh, on on them. As far as the CBO, ridiculous for anyone who tries to say it. We shouldn't listen to the CBO. Absolutely dumb, right? This is a very important piece of information that we need to learn and we need to have and we need to know what this is going to cost and how this is going to go down. Absolutely. Now, is the CBO always right? No, they're not always right. They were wrong about Obamacare. So, I, I mean, the we, we need that information and we need to not sit around saying that, oh, they're horrible and wretched and they're stupid. But they're also not fortune tellers. They don't know exactly no, but how it's it is an important down. thing. It is. And absolutely. They, and they're not, as you just said, I know that I'm not saying, I didn't say that they're always right, but to come out and just, again, this idea that we don't have any institutions as long as they're institutions that don't agree with the, the, the house Republican caucus. It, you know, uh, this, this has been a constant theme growing and growing and growing and growing and growing throughout the conservative movement for the last little bit. It started, we don't like the media, so we're going to trash the media. We don't like, uh, we don't like, uh, hell the entire government in North Carolina when they decided to just rewrite the entire thing. Uh, we don't like the president, so we're just going to stop the government cold until we get a president that we like. Uh, and now it's trickling down to, to things like the CBO. We just ignore that, too. We don't like the court, so we're going to get angry about the court and start having conversations about maybe we should dissolve it. it. You know, all this 
back and forth. It's just over and over and over again. It's more and more and more and more and more. And I, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not breaking any ground by saying I'm sick to death of it at this point. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I, 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 you know, I'm not, I, I don't see, you know, I, I can't say it any, any plainer in that a lot about the, a lot about the bill is not impressive, not to me, but I mean, I, you know, I mean, why, why is it that you obviously seem to like it quite a lot? Why, why is it, why does this, why do you think that this has a real shot to decrease some of these cost increases that we've seen? Because I do believe that by increasing a patient's level of choice, by letting the market do its job, then we'll see a decrease in premiums. Well, but they're not changing the market, though. The market is going to be the same as it was by removing the only real change that, that Obama put into the market was to add the healthcare.gov thing, okay? And by removing the healthcare.gov thing, they're just putting the market back to where it was pre-ACA in 2008. And the market was an absolute shitstorm back in 2008. Because in order to get proper health insurance, a lot of people couldn't afford it, Right. And that's what the tax credits are meant to help. So now you can afford the plan that maybe before that you couldn't. I don't buy it, but you know, we'll see. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need to keep beating this horse that much. I, I just don't think that there needed to be some kind of fundamental shift in the way that we handle healthcare. Because we've been trying this way, this free market approach to healthcare, and it hasn't worked. Because if the cost of insurance doesn't go up, then the cost of care goes up. And that causes the cost of insurance to go up. And there's this back and forth about how do we fix the market? And now they've removed the one thing instead of, you know, the, like the the deal with the deal with the mandate. The the point of the mandate was to try to get was to force everybody to be a part of the system, everybody to pay in. And by forcing everybody to pay in, you would have a balance of healthy people versus sick people. And the problem wasn't the mandate. The, with the mandate wasn't the fact that we had the mandate. The problem with the mandate was that we had a mandate that didn't do anything. Right. It didn't get enforced. And I, and and so I agree. Now you've removed that balancing point. So it's not. how is this going to help? There's no possibility of having that that leveling off point that uh, insurance companies potentially had. Now, I disagree with getting rid of the mandate. So I, I, I am. You are. I, I believe you are correct to be concerned about that aspect of things, because I I believe the mandate is important. Because as long as we are going to require hospitals to give people care, right? Because we do. You walk in an emergency room, you're hurt, you're sick. They have to give you care. They can't wait until you pay, right? Which is good. Yeah. This is the way it should work. Absolutely. Yeah. But as long as that's the case, I think the government has every right to require people to have health insurance. Yeah, I do too. I mean, we, we already require people to carry other forms of insurance. We require, states require people to carry auto insurance. This is, this is a basic thing. It's a law. If you don't have insurance, then you can't drive. Yeah. 
you know, and and nobody nobody gripes about that. I, I don't see a problem with forcing people to have, and it's not infringing on rights if it involves a car. How is it infringing on rights? And and you do that to protect everyone else, at least in part. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you get into an accident and you don't have coverage, then it it can potentially fuck over the person that you got into a, an accident with. Mm-hmm. It's the same principle with healthcare. So why does forcing health forcing people to buy healthcare or making them pay a fine? How does that impede on their rights, but auto insurance doesn't? Well, I get. I, I mean, I agree with you, right? So I mean, I I, I understand the argument against you would be that um, having a car is a choice. Living is not a choice. You know, like, I mean, they're, they're requiring everyone country. to do it. But I, I, I agree with you, you know. So, yes, we, we should be requiring everyone to have some base form of health care. Absolutely. Um, because that's part of what Even drives... Even if it's just liability. Right. Know? That's part of what drives... The cost of healthcare up. I mean, is that the only issue? No, of course not. But you know, hospitals have lots of bills that simply don't get paid, um, and one of the sources of those are people who come in into emergency rooms. The most expensive type of care there is uh, when they get hurt and they don't have health insurance, and then they can't pay their bill, and then that drives. So then the co- hospitals, in order to cover their costs either collect that money from the government or they raise the cost for everybody else. So as long as that's the situation, yes, we should have a mandate. This is not paternalistic. As Ryan said, this is just pragmatic and accepting the reality of the way the world is. Yeah. But when he said it with his, he had, a, he had his sleeves rolled up and his jacket. Was oh off. my gosh. Now. All right. I want to make clear that I am not joining in, in the mocking of house speaker Ryan. I, that is exactly the, what he did is exactly the sort of thing that we need. This was a pretty calm explanation of everything, you know, obviously highlighted what he saw as the faults in Obamacare, but he was not over the top with hyperbole. He was not crazy. This was a policy wonk trying to go into some of the details for people. Now, was it detailed enough for me? No, but I understand that he was trying to give a 20-minute summary. So, okay, I get it. So, no, I thank you, Speaker Ryan, for trying to get out there and explain everything. I appreciate you. Good job. And for doing it like you're a college professor and not the Speaker of the House. That's very, that's, that sold it for me. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I get tired. It's more, it's, it's theatrics. It's more. It's theatrics. not theatrics. Obama it rolls up theatrics. his sleeves too sometimes. This is not. Yeah, when he was out speaking and out, outside Ryan where it was hot. Was spe- oh my gosh. My round of applause oh is Speaker Ryan. I just want to get that out there in the open now that we're, since we're talking about it. That's my round. He is my round of applause. Good job on trying to make this happen, on explaining things, on doing your job. Thank you, Speaker Ryan. You are appreciated. Who do you have? I have <laughs> Joss Whedon and Buffy the Vampire Slayer for celebrating their 20th anniversary today. Well, right 20 years ago today, to the first too. episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer aired, and it frankly, it, it, it altered the state of, of entertainment uh, and television for a whole myriad of different reasons. 
uh, it was fantastic. Congratulations to them, and 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 I'm I'm going to watch Buffy when we're done with this. So nah, on you and Speaker Ryan, because I'm not going to watch his presentation. I'm going to go watch Buffy. So yes, round of applause to them. Now I will highlight some things that I I don't like about the plan. Right. Well, and a, a big thing we can touch on is the HSAs. Right. So HSAs. Yeah, are, where was that? That's in there. That's in there. Absolutely. And it's huge and it's great. Like, cause they get rid of this whole high deductible thing because in the past in order to have an HSA, you had to have a quote unquote high deductible plan. Um, and if you didn't, then you couldn't start one. And HSAs are amazing, right? These are incredible forms of uh, way. This is an incredible way for people to uh, invest in their own health care uh, with untaxed dollars, right? Um, this has been, from a family perspective, this is this has been huge for um, our sister in, in uh, covering some of the medical bills that, that, that they've encountered. And it does something that for them would have been huge if it had been allowed at that time, which is that you can now get a bill from a hospital and go, Oh my gosh, how do we pay that? Oh, there's this HSA thing. Oh, we don't have an HSA. Oh, we can just start one and pay for these po these, these previous bills with that money from the HSA, which before you couldn't, pay for any bills that existed prior to the creation of your HSA. So this is huge and this is great. Now, the issue is that HSAs are only really helpful for people who can afford to put money into them, right? So this is, this is great for me because I can now start an HSA for my family and start putting money into it and use it to cover my healthcare costs. Now, what I didn't see in there, and I might have just missed it, was that I didn't see that you could use your HSA to pay for your actual healthcare premiums, which I think you should be allowed to do. Um, and it didn't include what Speaker Ryan, what Speaker Ryan, what Rand Paul was pushing for, which was that every American would get, I think he said, a thousand dollars a year in their HSA. I thought Ryan was the one pushing for that. No, that was Rand Paul. Um, and that's huge because that helps people who can't afford HSAs to at least have some amount of money in there to get it started. So those are two things I didn't see. So maybe I just missed them. But if they're not there, then they should be there. No, the thousand dollar HSA thing is not in there. And well, and then the reason that that's that's important is that, you know what? The thing about it is, is that there are there are millions of people in this country like me that frankly all of this talk back and forth about what the republicans want to do on health care what the democrats want to do on health care it doesn't actually fundamentally change anything for any of us because we do what we were taught to do for decades which was get our insurance through our employers and because I get my insurance through my employer and I have minimal premiums because I'm single, the only thing that I've seen happen over the course of the last eight years is to see just the general cost of shit go up. And it doesn't, none of these things actually change anything day to day for me. And 
I would still bet that the majority of Americans who have health care have their insurance plans the same way that I do. And they pay for them through their employers out of pre-tax dollars that come directly out of their paychecks. So, and they're not actually going and signing up for plans anywhere but at work. So that money in an HSA actually would have benefited me directly. And it was the only thing that's been tossed out amongst all of the healthcare plans that I've seen. Unless I want to quit my job and open my own business or, uh, you know, freelance or any of these number of things and buy my own healthcare. None of, none of these things would have made any difference to me. And I'm not unique. I'm sorry. I think I, 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 I represent a pretty good chunk of the healthcare owning population. Um, so the HSA thing was, was an interesting idea to me, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see that much about it. It's not getting talked to. If it's, if it's in there, it's not getting talked about. What's I say, say it for me again. What's uh, I, I the got HSA, the HSA thing is the HSA is not getting talked about because the HSA stuff, the HSA stuff, I mean, it's getting talked that, about some. I talked about it in his. I mean, it's there. I'm talking about the thousand dollar thing. Okay. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, that's because yeah. they didn't do it. That's yeah. They didn't do it. That that is the one thing that would have really impacted me directly. That's the only thing. The rest of this, what will impact me is whether or not they can figure out ways to drop the overall cost and the price gouging that's gone on. Which that's a long term problem, and I don't know if I don't know if this is going to address it. I I but I'm skeptical as to how it will address it. Let me put it that way. And that's fair, a little bit because there is, uh, unfortunately, because of the way that this is going down. While I understand the, while I understand why it's going down the way that it is, it does leave some things sort of floating and out in the air. Um, you know, so a big thing for me is maternity care. Right. So we're we're the pro-life party. We're doing all this stuff to, you know, defund abortions and such. And OK, great. But being pro-life is more than just being anti-abortion. And one of the things that Obamacare did that was so huge was that it required health insurance companies to pay for maternity care. Right. So I've said I've said this before that we, we, we have my daughter, Clara, because of Obamacare. Right. Because because before I couldn't get maternity care for my wife, and so we couldn't have another baby because we couldn't afford it. Obamacare came along. Hey, we can afford this now, and we got pregnant. Now we ended up having the child in Ecuador, so it didn't matter anyway. But it, it gave us the the freedom to explore having another child. And as of right now, that doesn't change, right? None of those sorts of things are being affected because all of the stuff in this initial American Healthcare Act is budgetary. So those sorts of requirements are not affected. So as of now, they still have to cover maternity care. And I will be very interested to see if that is something that is maintained uh, when they start passing these individual legislations later on, which I, I think it will be. For one thing, I don't see them succeeding in getting a, a sir, hopefully the Republicans won't want to change that. But even if they do, I can't imagine them being able to break the 60 vote mark in the Senate in order to change it. Well, I mean, 
I don't know. You know, we'll we'll have to see about that. But I, you know, I I, I do want to stress about one of the things that I was saying earlier of as far as what was what's changed for me. I yes, the cost of healthcare went up, and that did affect me really quite a bit over the last five or six years. Uh, and that I think has changed, but at the same time, I was not griping about that. Really. It bugs me that some of this stuff, but I've, for, during this time frame, I've been relatively healthy. I haven't been affected by anything massive. Uh, and it has been good for me to see some of the other effects of the a- ACA, uh, going into effect and knowing that it helped a lot of people that are currently in positions that I was in 10, 15 years ago with getting my own healthcare and knowing that there were people over the course of the last four or five years that were not going to have to go through what I went through. And so it didn't bother me, but that doesn't mean that I didn't want some of the price gouging and the price, the uh, overall cost effectiveness addressed in what I was hoping would be round two of the ACA to sort of go at it with a, with, with a butter knife and, and try to figure out where they could tweak it and, and adjust it to fix some of those problems by the Democrats uh, or the Republicans, whoever was going to take it up next. And that's why I haven't, that's what I, I don't see in this bill. I don't see anything that specifically is going to address those things. And at least nothing that I see uh, that I feel like is going to make it. But that's why I can say that no, yes, I did see my costs change over the last few years, but no, it doesn't mean that I would have traded that to get rid of the ACA. That's absolutely not the case. And it doesn't look like I was just glancing over some things. It doesn't look like they're going to allow at this point, HSAs to be used to pay for healthcare premiums, which is a mistake, I think. And so I, I would, I would put that as a fault in this bill. Yeah, I, I I think I would too. So, you know. Anyways, well, I I th- this is obviously taking up the bulk of things. Have you I, I, do you, do you have anything more about it that you want to talk about? Uh, no, that. But I mean, I would just say the same thing about it that I said about Obamacare uh, when they're you know I was debating you know should this be passed uh, and. I felt like Obamacare, while it wasn't perfect, should needed to be passed. That the the issues with, were such with the healthcare system that we need to pass this bill so that this is gets us moving in the right direction. And I felt that it did. It got us. It got passed. It got us moving in the right direction. Now there have been some obvious issues that have come up that needed to be fixed. And I think that the American Healthcare Act addresses some of those issues. Is this perfect? Nope. I've highlighted several things that I think need to be done as well. But just as I felt Obamacare needed to be passed, I feel like this needs to be passed as well. Well, I'm not there yet, but, you know, we'll see. I want to get past some of this hyperbole and see if there's actual uh, something more, something more solid coming out. Uh, eventually I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I guess the bottom line is I'm not sold on it yet. So, uh, but we'll see. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save our 
deportation conversation, I think, for later. I think that's a, another larger thing that's going to be an ongoing deal. But what I what what I do want to talk about this for the rest of the week, for the rest of the time, is this idea of of existential threats. I read an article earlier this week about uh, that was talking about whether or not quote Trumpism and Donald Trump was an existential threat, and it was sort of a very some uh, it was a typical sort of left leaning freak out over Trump and the language that he uses and does this pose and is what is is Trump going to destroy the country or the world and or the world yeah and I mean you know it, it's, it's you know again nuclear yeah whatever um and you know I I guess the thing that I'm the the, the thing that that fascinates me about this is that this is this is something that gets thrown around a lot right now and it, and it has actually for about the last 10 15 years really to me i think it sort of started with 911 um this idea that this thing or that thing or this person or that person is an actual threat to the existence of the united states and conservatives said that obama was an existential threat he was going to destroy the us trump is liberals are saying that trump is is going to destroy the united states uh, they there was talk about ISIS, whether or not they were an existential threat. Is terrorism an existential threat? Russia, global warming, super bacteria, bird flu, nuclear proliferation. The doomsday clock just keeps ticking ever closer and closer to midnight until those fucking scientists can just move it right up against it and go, it's almost here! Why are we so focused on this crap? And how did how did this happen? I don't remember everybody being so damned insistent on trying to face the end of the world. Is this generational? I don't hear our parents doing this. Actually, that's not true. I think I hear our dad doing it all the time. Uh, it, it, you know, it, but it, I, I'm, I'm baffled by this talk because I don't, I, I, I see some things as bad but a lot of this stuff is actually kind of the normal course of things. We have shifts in these directions all the time. And they've happened before and they'll probably happen again. But I we just seem to we seem extraordinarily focused on it these days. Are you? No, I I don't think so. Um now I I I mean Honestly, I would say that the extreme. If we're going to talk about existential threats, I guess I, I, I think. Yeah, do I, you see anything as an existential threat? Really? Well, and it's okay if you I, do. I I'm think that the article, you know, the article had a good point. I think Obama had a good point. You know, if you know, so you say ISIS presents an existential threat, and and saying no, they don't. They don't have the capability. Do they wish? That they could be an existential threat to us, sure. But they can wish it all day. It doesn't make it true. The only thing that would allow terrorism and ISIS and these sorts of things to become an existential threat is if we allow them to change how we function as a society. Um, and at least from my understanding of the article, his fear was that Trump is a demonstration of that we have, we have allowed ISIS to change us 
uh, as people and how we function as a democracy. I don't know if I'm willing to lay the blame on ISIS for the extreme partisan divide that has come about. Um, But I will say that extreme partisanship does present an existential threat to American society. I think that is true. If we allow partisanship to get to the point to where we cannot pass our bills and function as a government, then this could create serious issues for us. Yes. I think to a certain extent I get, I could get behind that, but I, I I think that that's the thing that I, I guess that's the part that, that is a little bit baffling to a certain extent, because people want to try to find that one thing that, that they know can make really scary. Like liberals can, can spend all day making Trump really scary to other liberals. That's, that's easily done. Just like it's really easy for conservatives to make Obama really scary to other conservatives. Uh, or you can make ISIS scary, frankly, to just about anybody. If you really want to sit down and, and, and say all the scary shit ISIS does and, and, same thing with global warming and, and, you know, Putin sitting there with his finger on a nuclear trigger. Yeah, that's, that's scary shit. Uh, is it necessarily likely to happen? Eh, I don't know, but what is happening, I think. And, and that's, that's my, that's my problem with a lot of the conservative rhetoric about ISIS is that it does request a fundamental change in the way that we, that we approach, that we approach things that we change how we do our business day in and day out and that we suddenly see things as acceptable that I don't think we ever would have have accepted. I think even 15 years ago, I think there, there are things that, that go on even by people who are elected officials that, uh, you know, that I, I think are, are a little shady with regard to, uh, other cultures and particularly Muslim society. Uh, you know, I read about a, uh, um, a Senator from, uh, Oklahoma who wants to, uh, uh, had a whole bunch of, uh, of high school students. Uh, it was a Muslim, a group of Muslim high school students visiting the state Capitol and coming around and, and seeing their, uh, uh, the the government, uh, the Oklahoma government at work and, and meeting representatives and people. Um, but this guy particularly wouldn't meet, uh, wouldn't meet with them until they filled out a questionnaire. Any member of the group had to fill out a questionnaire and the questionnaire had questions like, do you beat your wife? Sharia law says that it must rule over kafirs, the non-Muslims. Do you agree with this? And if you answered these questions correctly, then you could meet with your state senator. These were high school students. That that sort of shift in things, I can see that being, I suppose, sort of existential. And I guess you can pose out some of the... Uh, some of the... The deportation stuff, you know, it's a lot of this imagery that we've been seeing of, uh, you know, state officials of federal federal officials effectively raiding homes and pulling people away from, you know, parents away from their kids and 
you know, shuffling them all off back to Mexico as being a little, a little frightening. You know, I don't know. Uh, Man, I'm very interested. Yeah, the, well, the deportation thing, like I said, I guess we were going to hold for another time, but. You know those same sorts of I mean, things. We can still talk about it. We can we can weave these things. These are two very related conversations. You know, I mean, we've all we've all seen what's. Let's go ahead and talk about it. I mean, we've 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 all seen this stuff on the news. These guys running around with that. I'm I'm sorry. I don't think you could have come up with a better term to really be freaky. Is a bunch of guys in black helmets and bulletproof vests with the word ice on the back. Uh, you know and breaking down doors and taking people out of their homes. I, you know, I, I, again, I really wish that they'd come up with a different name for themselves, but, uh, you know, um, and now we're, we've had this special committee formed to focus purely on immigrant violence and not regular violence, immigrant violence. That's what's really important. You know, we're supposedly hiring 15,000 new, Agents, although I'm hearing that that would be a real problem because there probably aren't 15,000 people out there that are actually qualified to do the job. Um, you know, I don't know. Are, are these, do these sorts of things all feed into this idea that America, the face of America as we know it is changing? Well, one, I want to highlight that these same sorts of deportations where the ice was going into people's homes and taking people out, this has always happened. This happened under Obama. That was, I mean, he was the deep, you know, deporter in chief. He did, he, he did far more deportations than W did. Um, we're just taking better pictures. It seems like right now, because we haven't, I think we've really increased the amount of deportations that much at this moment. Now, you know, are, am I concerned with the way that Trump is doing things? Yes. You know, I I liked Obama's focus on getting criminals out, and it seems like Trump has really expanded that, and I don't think that's a good thing. Um, but I think some of the, the pictures that are being taken and the way it's being portrayed are definitely an attempt this is done by you know the the media the media outlets that are doing those obviously have their own way that they're wanting to portray the way that things are done um and at, at this moment i don't feel like that's accurate that this is that much different from obama um and i wouldn't say that that is posing some form of existential threat because unfortunately we've always done this America has always had moments where we got really scared of this immigrant population or that immigrant population. And while it wasn't good, we're still here. Right. So I don't think that we can yeah. call that an existential threat. Um, I'm, I'm not. What, what let, I let me would, be clear on okay. that. I'm not. What, but I, I would hold to the level of partisanship, the unwillingness to even listen to the other side and to try to understand where they're coming from and seeing what we can do to work together. Um, I think if that continues to, if that divide continues to expand and grow, that could potentially become an existential threat because it threatens our government's ability to even function. Yeah. 
that's I, I I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I don't. The only other thing that I think I would add is is the idea that uh, you know there has been this this insistence of how we talk about terrorism, and again, you know, words matter, you know, and I I, I think a lot of that's gotten the idea of that has gotten lost in in this idea that. Uh, you know, and I do think some of that push started with the, the politically correct push, you know, by the left for, you know, 20 years ago, whenever that started, um, you know, so there was, there was a push back from the other side who decided they wanted to be able to say whatever they wanted, whether or not that came out of, you know, the desire to just not be told what to say or, or the desire to, you know, actually throw out terms that were sort of bigoted in their own way. I, I don't know, but uh, you know, there is this idea that a- any language has to be scrutinized and, and poured over as though that's a bad thing. But there is a there is a there is a, a certain circumstance where it is better to be measured in the way that we talk about things. And I, I always wholeheartedly agreed with Obama's insistence on not using over dramatizing terms like radical Islamic terrorism, uh, you know, and all that pushed by, you know, Fox News and their ilk about why won't he say the words, man? You know, well, the reason he won't say the words is because you don't give credence to people like that. And the more that we try to tear each other apart over whether or not ISIS is around the corner and going to blow us up, that's what they want. They want us doing that kind of thing. And that, I think, is the point that Obama was trying to make. And I think to a certain extent what that article was trying to make uh, which it was written by Matt, Matt by BAI. He works for Yahoo news. It's a good article. Um, and the more that you, you know, the more that you fall into panicking over groups like ISIS, the more you give them what they're looking for because they want our lives to be more like theirs. They want us to be miserable like they are. Um, you know, um, and the more that we do some of those things, the more we give them what they're after. And I think Obama understood that. And I don't think that, I don't think that Trump does. I I would tend to agree. And I I think, you know, I mean, the, it's a pretty famous phrase at this point, but I think it holds true. The only thing, you know, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. The only people that can present an existential threat to us is ourselves. So, and do I feel like that is right around the corner? No. But do I think that some of our current behaviors could lead us in that direction? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I I have nothing further to say on that matter. Have you? Nor do I. Take us out with something cool. Outstanding. All right. Something cool. We have, uh, actually, you know what? I have two something cools. One, one, I, and because, because I just thought about this, there is a group out there. Now you conservatives are not going to like this at all, but I I like (laughs) what the group is. I like what the group is trying to do. Let me put it that way. They're, they're focusing on liberals that are younger. They're actually not even focusing on me. I can't really get involved because I'm too old at 38. Fuck you, by the way over that, but you know, whatever they're focusing on people, uh, 25 to 35. It's a group called run for something dot, uh, run, run for something is, is the name of the group. I think it's run for something.org. Uh, and they are focusing on encouraging people to run for things. 
and they might fund you. They might help you out, just show you how to run, you know, for anything. And yes, they're focusing on liberal candidates, but I like the idea. If you want to run for something, this is how you do it. And it's, it's an, it's an interesting concept and it's a way to engage and get younger people involved. And that frankly is what we need. We need a, a younger generation of politicians uh, on both sides of the aisle who don't bring this petty nonsense that the current generation of senators and, uh, and congressmen uh, have brought, which is remembering all of these old scores uh, that need to go out the door. And I, 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 again, I, they're focusing on people that are not me because they're looking for young liberals. And I know that conservatives won't like that, but I think it's a great idea. And I, I think there needs to be more groups out there like that. My other something as a conservative, I do like that. I, anything that brings about more participation for people, especially from younger generation, which I'm still a part of. Um, <laughs> I'm, you could you could call. I could call really him. Just barely. I got to run like right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I I do like this. I think this is fantastic. My other something cool. Yes, so do I. I'm, I'm and I'm glad to hear that you do too. Uh, my other something cool is Iceland, uh, which is planning to pass a bill that will be the first country to require equal pay for women, a gender equality pay bill. Uh, that they're already doing. Iceland already does a pretty good job about it. They are trying to do a better job. And I applaud them for it. I think it's a great thing. And I think it's kind of sad that America is not leading on this like we should be. But it's nice to see somebody trying to do something about it and good for them. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, be sure and check us out on Twitter. I'm at LibCon Matt. Tim is at LibCon Tim. Have an outstanding week, and we will talk to you soon.